church. We are a demonstration church. And what that means, come on over. I can just hold it until it turns green. What that means is if all you have is teaching, but there's no demonstration of what you're teaching, then it's just information, not transformation. Christianity is not information alone. It's transformation by the power of God. Otherwise, it's just a religion with nice truth. So what we've been fasting and praying for over January was that God would break open miracles in our church, proving that Jesus Christ is alive and well. And every Sunday, we've been hearing about spontaneous healings, salvations, and miracles. We got another one today, and this one is around the area of provision. So let's welcome Augie as he gives his testimony for Jesus. Did they turn the bass down this time? (laughs) (laughs) So towards the end of January, we were doing the 21-day fast. um, And uh, I think it was the 20th, you had made the the, uh, message about uh, God wanting to do big things in our lives. And so frequently, we give up before he's able to get to that point where we can see him. And uh, Hmm. during that message, there was a call for prayer for raises and promotions and for God's provision and also a call to make a promise to God. Hmm. So I made that promise and I, I asked for that prayer. And uh, three days later, I went to my boss. Well, let me backtrack a little. Can sure. I? Yeah. What was the promise? Well, the promise was that you, you tithe. Ah. <laughs> yes. Good. Got okay. it. Okay. Um, I should have figured that one out. But. Yeah. Yeah. Same promise you made. All right. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, so, backtracking a little bit, in October, I turned down a job promotion, or uh, another job within my company in lieu of a different promotion. That promotion never came. I started training and had been training of all of our new hires, and uh, eventually that was taken away from me as well. I no longer was coaching or leading people into how to do things a little bit better, and uh, the vice president of the company ended up taking that role over. I was still training all of the new people, um, and then the person came in and I was training the person who was taking over the job that I was offered. And that was a pretty heavy kick in the gut. Um, But I I just kept faithful, kept praying about it, and God made it very clear that as long as I kept coming to him, he would trim the branches. Um, The vice president of the company was taking over on coaching of our new hires and everything else like that, and I just went to her on the 23rd, actually, right after we went to that. And I said, you know, I really like doing that thing that you're doing, and I would love to take that over. And by the end of the day, that that day, I had gotten my promotion um, into the new position that I'm currently in. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like I said in the email I sent to John, it didn't actually stop there. I never discussed a, a raise or a bonus or anything else like that to come with it. But a week later... After getting my own office, uh, a week later, they came to me with a promotion or a raise that I wouldn't have never asked for. Wow. Um, I wouldn't have even bothered. That is beautiful. It's an amazing provision. And, uh, you know, we are loved beyond our capacity to comprehend. And this is what that looks like with miraculous healings and provisions from God. That is so cool. That is so cool, man. Awesome. Well, that is a manifestation of God's promise that if we would trust him with our money, 
that he would prove himself to us and do things and open doors and give us favor that we couldn't do in our own strength. And it's real. It's true. I've been doing it for over 30-plus years. My wife has. And then when people cross the line like that and they trust God, then they have their own testimony. And they don't need to hear me preach it anymore because they can preach it themselves like you just did. I love it. Amen. So um, on that note, let's receive our offering. That's pretty good, huh? Jesus, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We truly cannot outgive you. I pray for every person in this church and every person that's listening online or watching online that does not yet, um, has not yet trusted you. And they're trying to make ends meet on their own resources. Father, will you just give them the faith they need to step out and trust you so they can see you work in their lives. And they don't have to fear provision anymore because they are partnering with the God of heaven and earth. Father, we promise you that this money, as always, is going to go help people in need and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can give by texting. Are you ready for the word today? You ready to stick with our faith series? Are you ready to stick with our faith series? You guys want your faith provoked, elevated, expanded? Because I'm telling you, faith is the key to the kingdom. It is what releases the kingdom of God. Somehow I just turned off my... I don't, so I'm glad you do. You're helping me. When I flip this over, it stays on. There we go. (laughs) Let's welcome the Holy Spirit as he teaches us today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry. We thank you that you flow like water. You're the one that turns on the lights inside of us. You're the one that expands our ability to understand beyond our natural understanding. We need you. We have you. We love you. We want you. We desire you, and we thank you that you're here today and that you are the teacher. And I pray your people hear a voice in my voice, which is your voice. It's the voice of life. Expand us today in Jesus' name. Faith works by love. This is what I'm going to talk to you about today. This has been in me for a few weeks now. The Lord's put this inside of me, and I've been waiting to teach it because though faith is the key to the kingdom, love is the motivation and the force of the kingdom. Let's look what 1 Corinthians says about this. In this life, we have three great lasting qualities. Everybody say these three qualities out loud together. Faith, hope, and love. Let's say it again out loud. Faith, hope, and love. These three great things. We love faith because it unlocks heaven. We love hope because you can't live hopeless. But what does the Bible say about these three? But the greatest of these is love. As great as faith is, my goodness, do we need faith. We've been seeing miracles because of the increase of faith in the house. Man, do we need hope. But love is even greater than faith and love. In fact, do you know... 
that if you and I have amazing faith and vision, hope that is just inspires people, but you and I don't have love, do you know the Bible says we get an F on our heavenly report card? Look what 1 Corinthians says about this. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love for others, growing out of God's love for me. Now that is the key phrase right there we're going to drill down on. Love for others, growing out of God's love for me. Then I've become only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Just an annoying distraction. How many of you want that to be your identity when heaven looks at you? Man, he's just an annoying distraction. That's a horrible reputation to have. Well, let's continue reading. And if I have the gift of prophecy, we pride ourselves on that, being a charismatic church, and speak a new message from God to the people. And if I understand all mysteries, could you imagine that? And possess all knowledge. And if I have, here we go, all if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love reaching out to others, say it out loud, three big fat words, I am nothing. How many of you want to be nothing in the eyes of heaven? Any hands? Well, this is how you do it. Build your faith and don't have love. You are nothing in the eyes of heaven. This is serious stuff, isn't it? If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it does me no good. Look what this scripture says, 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge makes us proud of ourselves. We so value knowledge in our Western Hemisphere. But knowledge alone just makes us proud. Intellectualism is one of the major strongholds in our region. Some of the greatest universities, some of the greatest tech companies, some of the greatest R&D here in San Diego. A lot of engineers, a lot of scientists, a lot of educators. We pride ourselves on our intellect. But this is knowledge makes us proud of ourselves while love makes us helpful to others. I like this translation. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And this is serious because Jesus said the world would know you are my followers, not by your faith, not even by your hope. By what? Love. When people think of Jesus, what do you think the first thing is they think of? Even people that don't believe in Jesus, just as a historical figure, Jesus. Love. When people think of us, what do they think of? Judgmental, superior, self-righteous, haters. Now some of that is not accurate. It's just because some people hate truth. But I fear that some of it is accurate. Because when you and the more knowledge we get of the Bible, if it is not equal to an increase of the revelation of the love of God, all we can become are Pharisees. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Come on. <laughs> How many of you need some more of God's love? 
I'm telling you, we are desperate for the love of God because it is what people are looking for. Look what this verse says regarding the relationship between faith and love. This is powerful. For if we are Christ Jesus, is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. That means your outward religious expression means nothing. But only faith. Say, so yeah, that's right, faith. What about faith? Faith activated. Faith can be activated? Yes, faith can be dormant. It can also be activated where it's ready to do a miracle. It's ex- faith is expressed and faith works, say it, through love. God's love is the vehicle that faith flows through. I believe this is the next level for GPC, and I'm saying this prophetically. We have been experiencing supernatural faith in this house, and God has taken us to the next level of supernatural love. And what we're going to find is as our love expands, our faith expands. And I'm going to teach into this. You're going to see this isn't just hype. This isn't just fancy preaching. This is Bible, and this is reality. The more of God's love we experience, the more our faith increases because perfect love casts out all fear. And it makes room for your faith to expand. I'm going to jump down to my third point, and I'm going to start with this because it is so critical. I don't want to use up all the airtime and not get to it. The question I want to answer today, and there's three answers I have, is this. How can I love like Jesus? Because that's what everybody is looking for, especially in followers of Christ. That's why when you go to a church that is supposed to be the most loving place in the world, it's supposed to be more loving than a bar. I mean, why do people go to a bar? You got the counselor behind the, the bar, that's the pastor. It is. And the people that are hanging out at the bar is the congregation, and the alcohol is the spirit. They call it spirits. And I'm not kidding. It's real. That is the fabrication. That is the cheap version of what the kingdom of God, the church, is supposed to look like. You have the pastor, and you have the congregation, and you have the spirit. And we are filled not with alcohol, but with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what Paul says? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's why when we come to church and we run into cold-hearted, judgmental, hate-filled environments and people, it crushes us. We have, where, where can you go? There's no hope. That's why love is the most important thing. So how can we love like Jesus? Number one, which is my number three, which just became my number one. You must primarily use your faith for others. Jesus did not come to the earth and say, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. He wasn't the me monster. Jesus left heaven, came to the earth, and used his faith to move mountains for others. Amen. Thank you for coming today. Just think about that. Do you know, let me give you an example of how, we turn, how we're the me monsters. Think about, ask, seek, and knock. 
right? Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, will find. And those who knock, it will be open to them. And we quote this all the time. And we use it, rightfully so, for ourselves. Man, I, Pastor, I've been asking and asking and asking. I've been seeking and seeking. I'm knocking and knocking and knocking. The door hasn't been opened yet. Okay, let's, let's consider that passage in context. It's not in my notes, Mike. I'm just quoting this. In context, a friend came to a friend and needed bread. So the friend went to another friend's house and beat on the door of a friend he knew who had plenty of bread for he and his friend, or for his friend. And he would not get off the guy's porch until the guy was so annoyed with him, he finally got out of bed, gave him bread. Who was the bread for? The friend. Asking, seeking, knocking for your friend. That's how the kingdom flows. Jesus is not calling you and I to be a lake, but a river. I remember when I was in business, and I had this vision. And in this vision, I was in prayer. I had a vision where this grain was falling down from heaven. And it was like starting to fill up. And I realized, I'm going to suffocate if this grain comes up over my head. And so I started throwing the grain out like this. And then I said to the Lord in this vision, I said, if I keep throwing this grain out, there won't be any left for me. And he said... This is how the grain got released in the first place. Because, Augie, when I wasn't tithing, because I didn't know about it, and we were so broke we couldn't pay attention, I, we had a store here in San Diego, and nobody wanted what we were buying. We had no employees, just my brother and I. We couldn't pay our rent. A friend of ours was paying our rent for us and buying us peanut butter and jelly. We were living on peanut butter and jelly. I mean, literally, I mean, I had a dream that a peanut butter jar was chasing me down the street. It was just... It was, we were broke. And yet I heard about tithing. I started tithing, which was ridiculous because I didn't have any money. But I said, I will the next time I get a dollar. And it was from that start, that stepping out of faith, that the business started to turn around. And we opened up second location, third location. And we were in magazines and on television, got our testimony of God's grace. But the Lord taught us that if you will give out, then I can keep flowing through you. That's how heaven works. That's the way love works. As you and I give prayers and we give money and we give our attention and we give our time and we give our sacrifice and service for others, heaven just literally opens up and flows through you. And you become a conduit of the resources of God in the earth. Think about the guy who had four good friends. This guy is on a mat. He lives on a mat. He's paralyzed. Jesus was in town. What did his friends do? You guys know the story in the Bible? His, you know the guy laying on the mat had just decided, this is just my life. This is the way I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I mean, he's been that way for years and years and years and years. Some of you have been that way. You know what you need? Some good friends. Some people say this, if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. Sometimes that might be true. Sometimes you just need to exercise more faith. But I'm going to tell you what. If you've got some good friends that are faith-filled friends, you can get healed on their faith. I had somebody come down last Sunday Sunday in the prayer team, and I was praying for him, and he said, you know what, Pastor, i got to be honest. I don't think I have enough faith to get healed. I said, then you get healed on my faith. 
sometimes I don't have enough faith for what I need faith for. And my friends say, well, you, you, I'm going to believe for you. None of us have perfect faith. We need one another. Do you know Mark did a study on this? There were more healings in the New Testament from the faith of friends than from the faith of the sick person. Almost double. That's why it's better to have two than one. For when one is weak, the other is strong. When one falls down, the other can lift them up. And sometimes you're going to need to be the one lifted up. And if you don't think that's true, that's called pride. Everybody say pride. And say boo. Humility. Yay. Yeah, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. And the humble person says, I don't have all the faith I need. I need some of your faith too. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. These guys got their friend and said, shut up. And they picked him up and carried him across town, got to the prayer meeting. Jesus is inside. There's too many people outside. I'm sure the guy on the mat was saying, guys, just take me home. There's too many people here. I've been prayed for before. I've been to the priest. I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't have enough faith. And they probably just put duct tape over his mouth. And then they climbed up on the roof, dug a hole in the roof, dropped them down in the middle of the meeting. That is so rude. Let me tell you something. Have you ever loved somebody so much that you would give anything for them, especially if they needed to be rescued? You would give any amount of money. You would drive as far as, I mean, sometimes when I was dating, there were some girls that you would consider GU, geographically undesirable. But if they were pretty enough, you you just borrow money from a friend and put that gas in the gas tank, and you just go, I mean, love causes you to do crazy. That's how I got my wife, Hope. She lived all the way in Louisiana. And this is when you paid for minutes on the phone. Long distance, you remember that? Before cell phones were invented? Man, my bill was just ridiculous. I would fly out there about every six weeks. It doesn't matter. When you're in love, it does not matter how much money you spend. How many of you have kids? Would you lay your life down for your kids? Would you empty your bank account? Would you trade places with them if you could, if they were suffering? That's love. Faith works through love. Compassion without power equals frustration. But compassion with power is demonstration of the kingdom and the heart of Almighty God. That's why we got to mix these two here at the Gathering Place Church. Compassion and faith mixed together produces radical miracles. Look what this scripture says. How many of you know what John 3.16 says? Before you put this up, what's John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. Did anybody know what 1 John 3.16 says? Let's read it. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to also give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children. Let us not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. 
Look what this scripture says. From Christ, the whole body, joined and knit together. Everybody say knit together. By every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm going to show you something. We're going to read a scripture in a minute about how our roots are supposed to go down into the love of God. But the way you know if your roots have gone down into the love of God is that your roots are going out to others. God, John says, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you, the love of God is not in you. In other words, the proof that you're in touch with the love of God is that you're, you're loving others. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's really almost involuntary. When you truly have an encounter with the love of Christ, well, it's just beyond us. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to show you this picture. This is pretty profound. You see those bridges? You know what those bridges are? Roots. That's a root bridge. They knitted, we looked at that word knit, that the body of Christ is knit together by love, by every person meeting the needs of each other. That is a, they say what they do is they knit the roots of those trees together and they make root bridges. Is that incredible? That is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Nobody falls through the cracks in our church because we are knit together by the love of Christ. We will lay our lives down for one another. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. But it can't look like that if we are not flowing in the love of Christ. And that brings up the second point, and that is this. You say, how can I love like Jesus loves? Number one, primarily use your faith for others. Start praying for others. Believe in God for others. Number two, You must realize it is not your love we are talking about. Can everybody say thank God for that? Your and my love runs out so quickly. I mean, we're in love one day and annoyed the next. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, one day and crucify him, crucify him the next. We can love the Chargers one day and hate them the next. This is why marriages only last four years now, 50% of them. It used to be seven years, now it's four. Because human love runs out fast. And it's running out faster and faster. It says in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. So thank God... We're not talking about the body of Christ being filled with human love. Look what the scripture says. God's love. Everybody say God's love. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Thank God who's been given to us. I remember when God called me to be a pastor, I said this to him literally. You have made a huge mistake because I am selfish. I only care about me. I was a me monster, man. Really. And one day I was standing on the corner of my neighborhood and I had a couple employees who had fallen into sin. I'd led them both to the Lord, but they fell into adultery. And I was at the street corner weeping over them. 
And as I was weeping, it was like I was outside of myself, and I was thinking to myself, why are you weeping over people, over these two? Why are you crying? This is weird. And I said to the Lord, why am I crying over these two? And he said, I have given you a pastor's heart. And I said, can you take it back? Because I don't like this. It was the love of God for them not to destroy their lives by committing adultery. Why would I care as a human being? I mean, I could care a little bit, but not like what I was feeling. That was like, ouch. That's the love of God. I remember one time I fasted for 10 days, and on the 10th day, somebody would just tell me a little trial they were going through. It's a little nothing of a trial, and I mean, I would feel such pain. It's like I couldn't breathe, and I realized that was the love of God. And I said, God, I can't live like this. How do you live like this? And he said, by faith. I said, what does that mean? He said, I see the end from the beginning. I don't get all caught up where they are right now. I know where they're going to be. That was so helpful. See, that's vision. That's faith. That's hope. But love is the heartbeat of the Christian. Christianity without love, is the love of God, is not Christianity at all. It's religion. It's works. When you know that somebody absolutely loves you through and through, you can be as transparent as you can possibly be with all your works and all, and they still love you, the first thing you experience is you just relax. And then you have conversations that are so transparent. I feel this way with Mark. I, Mark has proven his love to me, and I hope I've proven my love to Mark. We've seen each other at our worst. And now we just laugh at each other. We're just, we're just both so pathetic at times. I'm kidding. Sort of. Not really. But we've cried together. We laughed together. We've, we've seen each other at our worst. And I know that I can be completely transparent with him. I'm never nervous around him. I don't hide from him. I'm not afraid to tell him anything. Because I know he loves me. That's what love feels like. But when we don't understand that God loves us like that, what do we do? Work, 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 work. Perform, 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 perform. Serve, 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 serve. Why? We're trying to appease him. Because we're afraid of him. Because he's holy. And we're not, and we know it, and it makes us afraid. That's why the Bible says perfect love. In other words, a perfect revelation, a mature revelation of how much God's in love with us removes all fear. And we can run right into God's presence, warts and all, and say, God, Daddy, Papa, Father, it's me. And the faith that is generated in that kind of grace-filled atmosphere between you and God is mountain-moving, demon-casting out. No problems too big for God. All things are possible to he that believes. Get all that shame and fear and doubt and unbelief out of the way because the love of God has so filled your being. Look what Paul says. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Now, wait a minute. Paul? Paul said that? Do you remember who Paul was before he was Paul? His name was Saul, and he he terrorized the church. He murdered Christians, and he hated Jesus. 
And now look what he's saying. It's, the, it's Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. How did that happen? Christ poured his love into Paul's heart. The word that best describes the love of Jesus is the word compassion. This word compassion means strong, powerful emotions of sympathy, pity, tender mercies, and feelings of affliction. Of affliction? Affection. Originating in the bowels, in the core of your being. Flows out like a river. Mercy is another word associated with this. Elieo means to show kindness and concern for someone in serious need, to feel compassion for and have pity. Mercy is not a passive emotion, but an active desire to remove the cause of distress in others. Elio Masonary, never even knew that word existed, believe it or not, that's an English word. It comes from this word, Elieo, the Greek word. It means those who support charities or take care of the sick are called literally showers of mercy. I want us to look at some of these verses real quick of Jesus demonstrating compassion in his earthly ministry. And may we flow in the same compassion Jesus did. I'm telling you, I'm preaching this because it's the truth. But what has to happen is for all of us to have an increased encounter with the love of God by the Holy Spirit. So as I'm preaching it, you need to be saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, do this to me. Pour it in me. Make this happen in me. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who works this in us and flows it through us. It's a revelation of the love of God for us and a revelation of the love of God through us. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 and 14 says this. When Jesus heard it, now you got to stop right there for a second. When Jesus heard it, do you know what he heard in this, in this context? His cousin, John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest prophet that's ever lived, and it was his cousin who he grew up with. John the Baptist, who leapt in Elizabeth's womb when Mary walked in and Jesus was in Mary's womb, John the Baptist, by the Holy Spirit, knew who Jesus was while they were in each other's wombs. And it says John the Baptist left in Elizabeth's womb. And then when they were both 30-year-old men, John the Baptist said, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, my cousin, was Jesus. And Jesus loved John. But they beheaded John. King Herod had him beheaded for his wife because his wife didn't like the fact that John the Baptist said, you can't be marrying your brother's sister, your brother's wife. So they beheaded John. And when Jesus heard that, he, I mean, just try to get in touch with how, how much grief Jesus was experiencing in that moment. How deeply painful, emotional that was for him. So much so, look what it says. Jesus, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Have you ever felt that way before? Where you're so in so much pain and grief and sorrow that you don't feel like you can breathe emotionally. Anybody ever felt that way before? I have on more than one occasion. You're just, you're, you're literally overwhelmed with sorrow and grief. That, that's how he was feeling. He has three and a half years to fulfill his mission, and yet he is so sorrowful over his cousin's beheading that he goes to be by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude 
and he was moved with irritation and annoying. He said, can't you people just leave me alone for a minute? And when he was on the San Diego freeways in rush hour, he was blessing people. When he was at a concert, and everybody's pushing and shoving to get in. When he was at the mall Christmas time. Crowds annoy us, don't they? Especially when you're exhausted and tired and irritable and hungry and hangry. Jesus is grieving over his cousin's death. But look, when Jesus went out and saw the great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. Moved with compassion. We're all moved by something. We're moved by our lusts. We're moved by our greeds. We're moved by our dreams. We're moved by our fears. Jesus was moved. He couldn't stay in his sorrow and grief. Compassion compelled him to heal them all. In Mark chapter 8, 1 through 3, we see another example of Jesus being moved with compassion. In those days, the multitude being very great, another multitude, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said to them, I have compassion on the multitudes because they have, not, they have continued with me three days of nothing to eat, if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will be faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. And then, of course, he did a great miracle, which was a great teaching there, because he wanted Philip to do the miracle. He was trying to teach us how to multiply loaves and fish, uh, which is a whole other faith teaching. Matthew 20, verse 29 through 35, we see another example of Jesus moving in compassion. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men, Sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Isn't that what we would do? Shut up. Gosh. I'm trying to listen to Jesus. You blind fool. I mean, that's us. That's us in our human flesh right there. Telling these blind guys you're crying out to Jesus to be healed, and they're telling them to shut up. So Jesus stood still and called to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So he had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Another example Luke 7 11 through 15. Now it happened after that day that he went to the city of Nain, and many of his disciples were with him in a large crowd, and when he came, to the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, and the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, her, Do not weep. And he came, he touched the coffin, and the young man was raised from the dead. Then we go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 10.1. Then Jesus went out about the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease. Among the people. Now that's where I get my theology from. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus said no to nobody that came to him. He operated in the full love of God and the full faith of God. He brought the full manifestation of the kingdom of God. And then look what he says to us. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Clearly beyond us. Because they were weary and scattered that means harassed and downcast like sheep having no shepherd then he said to his disciples the lord the harvest truly is plentiful but the labors are few 
compassion laborers. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called them to his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of sickness and diseases and, and all, kinds of, all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. After Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God through compassion and power, he looked at the multitudes and just said, there's too many of them for me to get to. Come here, you guys. And he laid his hands on them. They didn't just go out in power. They went out in the love of Christ and power. May God fill our hearts with his love. May he fill us with his compassion, oh God. Can you ask him that right now? I mean, right in the middle of my preaching, right here now, just stop for a moment, just ask him. Like, seriously, ask him right now. God, fill me. Fill me with your compassion. Bust through my limited human love. I don't feel compassion for the multitudes, but you do. Flow it through me, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. Pour out God's love in my heart right now. I think I've ran out of time. Throw this log here. You'll find out what that is about next week. Because we're at a place right now where I think you're convinced, if you weren't before I preached, which I'm sure you were, that your love and God's love are worlds apart, right? Do I need to convince you of that anymore? Do I need to? No, you already knew that before I preached this whole thing. But I want to make it so clearly evident that we are not talking about your and my love. We're talking about the love of God flowing through us to others like Christ. And that's what we need to start asking for. We've been asking for greater faith, and we've been seeing it. We've been asking for physical bodies to be healed, and we've seen spontaneous healings without anybody praying for them. We've been asking God to do things in our jobs and our marriages that only He could do, and we've been seeing that. Now I want to ask us, I believe by the unction of the Holy Spirit, I believe God wants us to ask him for an increase of his supernatural love to begin overflowing out of our hearts toward those around us. And it begins by receiving God's love for us. That's where the sozo ministry is just brilliant. If you are having trouble experiencing and receiving and letting God love you, you need to talk to Rick and Val and say, I need you guys to pray for me. And they'll make an appointment, and you're going to meet with them, and they're not going to do any voodoo on you, I promise. All they're going to do is bring you to, to Jesus, and you're going to sit there, and the Holy Spirit's just going to start doing some work, and you're going to walk out of there so free. I've done it. Mark's done it. Shelly's done it. Josh has done it. Our leadership goes through Sozo. You got to get that junk out of the arteries of your spiritual heart so the love of God can flow through you. See, he's already starting to preach. I poked the bear. 
How many of you want more of the love of God? All right, let's, let's stand on your feet. Come on. Let's do this. I'm going to carry this over to next week. I was going to teach on the blood covenant next week, talking about God's covenant with us, but I, I ran out of time today to hit another very important aspect of this, helping you and I receive the love of God. But I don't want to over-preach. I want us to experience, and only the Holy Spirit can bring that. Right now where you are, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage you right now. Tell your sense of unworthiness, fear, and unbelief, and God's love for you to shut up. Because those voices have no place in your relationship with God. God says he loves you. So now you just need to say, well, okay then. Would you just open your hands like this and just open, open yourself up. And I'm going to ask you to say this phrase. And I just want to say, I want you to say it until you can say it with faith. Say, God, I'm going to let you love me anyway. Now just let God love on you for just a few minutes. Josh is going to lead us in this song. And let's trust the Holy Spirit to do his work right now. Supernatural love of God. Flow through us.
my teachers said that he was down in the prayer lines praying for a girl for her, her foot to turn or to grow out. A creative miracle. And he had been praying through the prayer lines and different people were getting healed and stuff. And he was praying and she didn't get healed. And he was really frustrated. And he said, Jesus, why isn't her leg growing? Why isn't she getting healed? Because we should expect these things. It's the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, because you're just doing it like a machine. You're not flowing in compassion for this girl. <laughs> it just broke his heart. He realized, I'm just becoming religious. I'm just becoming rote. And he stopped and he said, forgive me, God. Now flow your, flow your love for this girl through my heart. And it just came. It was like, it just burst open in his heart. And then he prayed with compassion mixed with faith that her leg just a whoo came right out. This is what God's talking about to us right now. Compassion of Christ flowing through us. Our body, his life. So I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down now. Right now, just move out of your seats, come on down front. And if you have sickness or disease in your body or you have inordinate depression somebody here is having anxiety attacks I just the Holy Spirit this is called a word of knowledge when the Holy Spirit shows you something that is happening that you wouldn't know otherwise and literally like you wake up in the middle of the night and there's like stress flowing through you and you just can't stop it that's an attack of the enemy you come down here and you tell one of these prayer teams that was me and they're gonna pray that thing off of you this is see this is the compassion of Christ coming through me to you right now. I mean, he feels you. He sees you. He cares about that. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Savior, and you are living with the guilt and the shame of your sins. Only Jesus can remove that guilt from you. Only Jesus can forgive you. And if you come down front right now as one of these prayer teams and ask them to pray with you, receive Jesus as your Savior. He is going to remove your guilt and shame, forgive you of your sins, and you're going to experience His peace flood your heart, something you've never known before. Only Jesus can give that to you. Anybody else, just come down. These prayer teams are going to flow in the compassion of Christ, and His healing power and His miracle working power is going to flow through them. Some others of you, I sense by the Holy Spirit that you're right on the precipice of receiving the love of God for you. You're like right on the edge. And I'm going to ask Josh and Bella and Mike to sing this again. I want you to change just for now the word us to me. Oh, how he loves me. And I'm going to ask you to courageously believe that by faith. And let the Holy Spirit meet you at that place of faith. And let him start breaking down those walls because I'm telling you, when those walls come down and the love of God comes in, 
it will change you more than anything else you've ever experienced in all of your days. So let's go right back into worship. If you need prayer, you can just slip on down to come down here. If you want to stay in worship, you continue to worship. If you need to slip out and get your kids, you can go get your kids. We'll pick this up next week. We're going to stay in this flow for the next three or four weeks of faith and compassion and hope and love. These three, faith, hope, and love. And the, and the atmosphere is going to continue to increase with the love and the faith and the presence of God. Let's not break this right now. Come on, let's continue to worship and love Him and receive His love and watch His miracles.